0: Gonna rock the shade, gonna scream my name, make you shout now, honey, gonna make you
1: shout. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate, the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, Deborah Power. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
0: You can't break my magnificent heart. Stand back and watch watch it fall apart. It failed, but you got the goods. With the hammer and the nail, you can shake it, but you can't break my magnificent heart. Go ahead, take your Your best shot. shot. Come on, baby, show me what you got. You're gonna need every. They're never gonna heal Many times it ain't never gonna heal. song from my mom. I thought it was gonna make her laugh, and it sure did. The title is (laughs) Self-Explanatory. Now this little song is all about me, but don't get me wrong, I just want you to see how when I was young I always got in a mess. I used to find paint and always ruin a new dress. I used to bite anyone that came in our yard. You know, I might have been a little, but I was just plain hard. Ba-da, ba-da, da, ba-da, da, da. My dad was always working from nine to five. That might be the reason why I'm still alive. I used to climb trees and spit on people passing by. they talk about the weather and look up to the sky. I knew I was bad these words to me deborah marie get in the house deborah marie watch your mouth i never knew my second name till something happened and i got the blame deborah marie get in the bed deborah marie you heard what i said when mama got mad at me she called me deborah marie his friends around I'd hop on my tricycle and I'd mow them down I used to steal balloons off of wedding cars once the preacher caught me running back in the yard then mama come out and I would hear her shouting child you're gonna be the death of me Deborah Marie get in the house Deborah Marie watch your mouth I never knew my second name till something happened and I on the plane Debra Marie get in that bed Deborah Marie you heard what I said now mama got mad at me she called me Deborah Marie once I heard my mom tell our next door neighbor oh she's gonna get it when her father gets home but by the time he got his foot in the door I was already gone Wee ba da My brother, for the things that I'd done. But I couldn't fool my mother. One look and I'd run. I was faster than a bullet, than a speeding car. She always knew where I was. She never looked very far. I knew I was bad because mama be mad. And she would always shout these words to me Deborah Marie, get in the house. Deborah Marie, watch your mouth. I never knew my second name. Happened and I got the blame. Deborah Marie, get up in that bed. Deborah Marie, you heard what I said. When mama got mad at me, she called me Deborah Marie. Oh, yeah, when mama got mad at me, she called me Deborah Marie. I didn't do it, mom. Wasn't my fault.
1: That was Deborah Powers from her brand new release, and we got Deborah on the line. Hey, Deborah, how are you? I'm good, Richard. Nice to hear your voice. It's a pleasure to hear yours as well. Now, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are. And the best way to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So, give us the story of Debra Powers. Okay.
2: Well, uh, first of all, it's, there's no S on that. It's just power. <laughs> okay. All right. Deborah Powers. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, I come from um, as far east as you can go in Canada on uh, a little island called Newfoundland. Newfoundland, people call it. If you're from there, we call it Newfoundland. Oh,
1: yeah. So I've, been I've been there many from, uh, times, believe it or not. Have you really? Yes. Yeah, I used to just, go to St. John's. Did you fish down there? Is that why you are hunted no, or something? No, I was actually on an um, oceanographic research ship for the U.S. Coast oh. Guard. And yeah. we used to do um, um, surveys and iceberg research up in the North Atlantic. So I oh yeah, I spent many a day in St. John's. Well, that's a good place to be. If you want icebergs, they're surrounded. Oh, with
2: yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah. You know. That,
1: that they really. do. Really?
2: So I um, I grew up in a in a musical family. I'm the youngest of five children. Okay. And um, uh, my both my parents played piano. My father was more of a uh, stride piano player, and my mother was a church organist. When I was just before I was born, I think she was an, or- an organist in the United Church and church, and then she she just stopped. And but she was um, um, my main. Um, the person that guided me through uh, my musical uh, career when I was young, because she, you know, I only went so far studying piano. And the nuns, of course, I was in a Catholic school and I was taught piano by the nuns. And I would come home and cry to my mother that I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> because, you know, if you weren't paying attention, they would crack you over the knuckles with, their, with a stick, you know, and it was sometimes it was, it was tough. And because I was the youngest of five children who all went before me and used the, all the same piano books, um, when it came my turn to um, take lessons, I knew everything by ear. So I hardly read any of the notes when I sat to play. I just knew them all by ear, and, and I, was, I got in big trouble for that. So uh, when I got up to about grade 8, grade 7, and it was high school then, and I, I came home one day and said, I just can't do it anymore. So my mother made a deal with me and said, You know, if you come home every day and you sit and practice and keep up your sight reading, I'll let you stop taking lessons. And so that's what happened. And I never went very far in the piano course. I only went, like, as far as grade four. And I had just basic theory. And uh, I just kept up my sight reading and practice through the years. And I got in an all-girl group when I was in high school and wrote songs and won a few contests. And then I went on to study uh, voice in university I, I did two years of singing I was going to be an opera singer once upon a time and a uh, piano wasn't my instrument back then it was just something that I used to accompany myself and uh, it was very important because you didn't have to rely on anybody else to come and play for you when you were practicing your your vocals and um, two years of that and I got my taste of a first band I got out and started singing not playing just singing uh, in a funk band and we did also Stevie Wonderish, ish uh, Tower of Power and things like that and then um, I did uh, probably six to eight months with them and then I just never went back to university I was totally smitten and went back to my hometown because that was in St. John's Newfoundland I went back to my hometown and got into a uh, rock band so <laughs> so then when I got in there then we started traveling all around the island we went from one coast to the, all around, every coast, every part of Newfoundland we played, and uh, then we broke up and then got back together again, and you know, uh, with different members and stuff, and then we packed it all up one night and drove up to uh, Calgary, Alberta, where we acquired ourselves a couple of managers, a couple of agents, stepped up our PA system, and again, I was wasn't really playing piano, I was kind of standing behind a bunch of keyboards and uh, doing the things that uh, the main keyboard lines of the songs, but I wasn't really playing. And then I I, uh, I ventured into uh, jazz. Uh, my sisters lived up uh, around Detroit, Michigan, and I went to stay with them for a year, and I got into a little jazz trio and another um, part where I was just singing. And then I got out of that and went into piano bar. And once I got into the piano bar, things just kind of really opened up for me uh On the piano, musically, you know I'd be sit down and you know sheet music just to get the words and realizing that I could also improvise over the guitar chords, which is how my piano skills developed, and you know being by myself and alone, I was left to do all of that, and so I did, and so I did that for a few years, and in between that, I played in different kinds of bands, and then I went into country bands, I went into many different bands. Then I moved back to uh, uh, Calgary, Alberta, and um, started playing in in another country band and then another kind of jazz trio on the side, and then um, I started um, singing blues. And, uh, you know, I will tell you, Richard, I never found my voice until I started singing the blues. I was, in, I was uh, interpreting everyone's songs, singing like everybody else through the years, because that's what you had to do when you were in a cover band, you know, try to sing like Christy McBee, Stevie mm-hmm. Nicks, Pat mm-hmm. Benatar, you had to just cover them. If you're covering the song, then you had to make your best effort to sing the way that, that that singer sounded when she sang the tune. And then, you know, I started singing blues and then I just started realizing, you know, this is what I really like to do like to do i like to sing this music and then i started uh filling in with bands around town who needed to um someone to sit in and and play and and sing for them jam nights and different blues bands around town and then my name just started to get out there and then i started really really getting into it and then i left um calvary and uh, moved down by detroit i moved down to windsor ontario and I started playing in Detroit uh, a few times, and then I left there and went home to Newfoundland to um, uh, live with my mom and dad, um, who were getting very senior in age, and they needed someone to live with them, and, or else go into a home. So I lived with them uh, for seven, eight years, and um, I basically played in the local bar every, you know, every Thursday night or Tuesday night, and kept up my chops, and things like that, and uh, when my father passed and then my mother uh, was um, came, uh, my sisters came down and swept her away and took her up with them to Windsor, ontario I moved back with my husband to uh, Calvary in 2012, and then I knew as soon as I got on the plane what I was going to do. I had to make an album. So 2015 rolled around, and I knew I had tons of songs. I knew exactly what I was going to do, and then I just made it happen. So since that, I've been since then I've been recording. Okay, so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. There.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about you as a songwriter. Um, when you sit down to write, what is kind of your process that allows you to tap into the muse? Um, you know, I
2: have a little thing on my phone. I use my cell phone, and I've used it a lot in the last five years although I've gone through many, but I use um, a little thing on my cell phone called notes. And I have what I call um, a, a hook page, where if I something comes in my mind or I read something or, you know, I might see a sign or something and I'm thinking, hey, that's pretty cool. I'll write it down in my phone. And sometimes... Uh, when I when I have that hook, sometimes uh, melodies come with it, uh, and I'll write down a verse with the hook, or, and come back and look at it, and uh, read it again, and then get a, a chorus that's you know to go around the hook. But I have a bunch of things written down that you know at any given time I could go back and look into and form a song from something that I have just one sentence I have written and then um other times i may look at it and not get anything it just depends on how i read them on the day that i read them you know and that's where the the melody comes instantly to my head and i write every single lyric down and then i sit at my piano
1: okay well let's talk about um i mean once you get your lyric down um because I find lyrics and melody are two different functions. Um, when you sit down to start looking for your melodies, what is what is the process you use to find them? Do you use a groove or you like to have a chord structure? What What's kind of your go-to?
2: Well, when I have the hook, I've already got the melody in my mind. I already know how it's going to flow in my head. So when I you know, let's say I I only write a verse and a chorus, and now I'm going to sit down and at my piano and play it. But I've already got the melody in my head, so I just follow what I can hear in my own head. I follow it, and then I try to stretch it out, and, you know, I'll I'll try a few more things, but most of the time, I stick to the original plan of what I was going with, because I had, in, in order for that hook to be written down in my phone in the first place, it had to have a melody, and that's it always happens to me
1: okay now you know a lot of songwriters have embraced you know technology as part of their toolkit and you're using your cell phone and that notes app in order to capture your ideas uh what are some of the other tools that are in your toolkit that that you find indispensable when you sit down to write?
2: um i sometimes record myself on uh, my phone you know Thank God for phones. <laughs> um, I don't really use anything else besides my piano. You know, I, I, I lean mostly on that and the lyrics that I have written. I have a, a click track on my piano, you know, which is invaluable to me at times. Um, I sometimes record myself on how I sound, singing the song in order where, it, you know, if there's any way that I can change, um, how I'm singing it, if the phrasing is right. So, um, yeah, so I might I might use that tool. I don't often, but I I do at times.
1: Okay. Now, um every you know, every songwriter gets to that point where they have to now declare a song finished and give it to their producer or the or the other musicians in the band and then they they of course put their input into it, put their fingerprints on it. But you got to get to that point in that, in the song's life. What do you do to determine when a song is ready to, you know, give to the band or bring it into the studio?
2: Well, you know, I bring it to the studio first and, uh, I like to play live off the floor. That's how I like to record. I give it to, well, I give it to the, to the musicians first. I record it on my phone. And I send it to them and um, we do up charts and we go to the studio and then we sit and we play with it. We run through it a few times and if I have an idea in my head that I it needs to go this way or, you know, you know, I need a bass line here or, or, you know, a little guitar riff in here or, for the most part. I got to tell you, Richard, I've been really lucky with these musicians that I play with. They're very intuitive and they're all great players. And... Um, sometimes they read my mind and I've been really lucky that, that I sit with them and I you know, we've only gone through uh the song three times and they have exactly what I asked of them and what I need of them and I don't have to tell them too much but you know, at there at times, you know, well, first off, I lay the groove down and that's what happens, right? They they may have the chart, but you know, it's me that lays the groove down and then they follow me. And through the we go through it the first time and then I'll change a few things and we'll come back the second time and I'll say to the bass player, you know, can you add this in here or, or what do you think? Can you add something? What's in your mind to play? Can you add your little thing here, put your stamp on it? And, the, and they do. So I've been really lucky like that.
1: Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about um, going into the studio Every songwriter has, or every musician has their way of capturing their sound, the sound that they identify with. And that's really the magic of going into the studio. But every, every artist has their way of working in that environment. Um, what is your process when you get into the studio that allows you to kind of capture your sound?
2: You know, that's a really good question. <laughs> Think about that, Richard. I just, you know what? I just go for it. That's my big thing. Is I'm so hyped to get in the studio. Is my most favorite place to be, one of my most favorite places to be in the world. And I sit down, and um, I play. I have to sit in the groove. I got to sit in the groove, and then the singing happens. You know, and and that's my process. I, you know, and I, I, I just play off the band. The band plays off me. They look to me to do things. I look to them to do things. And once we sink in that groove, that's when I'm able to, um, put my best foot forward singing. You know, as long as I, I get in that groove, I lean very heavily on, on my musicians and my piano and mainly the groove that, that the song provides, you know?
1: Okay. Now, um, let's talk about the lineup. Who's playing on this? Uh, well, I
2: have um, a very fine bass player who, um, and all these guys, they play with many bands. You know, his name is Chris Byrne. He plays with a band here who've won many, many awards in Alberta. They're called the Road Hammers. And uh, he helped produce the last album that I made, Chris Byrne is on bass. And um, the one song that, uh, the only one song on this album that I covered out of three albums, it's the only cover song that I did, was written by the guitar player on this album. He plays Electric and Slide. His name is Steve Caneo. A very, very good songwriter in his own right and has had many people cover his tunes, but also a very talented guy. He plays many instruments and uh, he plays harmonica as well and, and he's, just a, he's just a great musician. And the drummer I've used him on every album is um, Kelly Cruz, who, who also plays with uh, Cat Dancer and the Tall Tales and Uh, A few more bands here in in Alberta. So um, then I had Mike Little come in and play some Hammond B3. And the middle name is F, and you can imagine what that stands for. (laughs) Mike F. Little. Yeah, he plays Hammond B3. He's a a superb Hammond player. And I have not done an album without him. And uh, Mike Clark, uh, he plays tenor sax, and he's played on all my albums as well. Um. And Rushka uh played on one song. He's a drummer. He just played on the one song, uh, What Colors Love? And that was done during the pandemic. And uh, I couldn't get Kelly to come in at the time, so Andrzej did it. And Keisha Pratt sings uh, a duet with me on this album, and we did it remotely. And um, my biggest thing with this album was um, I dedicated this album to the memory of Harp Dog Brown because he passed January 7th. Uh, the The night that I was listening to the final tracks, I was getting ready to send them to him for a listen, and I got the phone call that he had passed away. So, this, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty hard on the heart, and it took me quite a while to get back at the songs to listen in, to um, to get them ready for to go in to be mastered, you know. But, uh, yeah, I dedicated this. He's on three tracks, and I dedicated this album to him. So that's about it.
1: Okay. Well, actually, you know, Harp Dog, uh, Harp Dog Brown has been on the show many times, so that was definitely a, a great loss for us. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about the industry. Um, you know, as independent artists, we all know that um, the digital revolution has really taken its toll on our industry. Um Streaming is the way the consumer now has embraced as, as how they consume music. You know, we're not going to change that. Um, the consumer is really the, uh, the king as to how we get our, our product into their ears. So, you know, this is what they're embracing. And, you know, the, the problem is, is that um, they no longer look at recorded music as a product. It's not something to purchase anymore. It's now a service they expect on their phone. If they hear about an artist, they can look them up on Spotify, listen to everything they've done, and then, you know, either add them to their playlist or just pass and move on to the next artist. But it is the way that we connect with our fan bases. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they look at Spotify as, well, if you're not on Spotify, you're not real kind of a mentality. Um how has this affected you as an artist with the diminishing CD sales?
2: Um, Spotify. Uh, <laughs> you know, I really, uh, I decided this this last album I put out did not go into Spotify for the reasons that every musician knows. We don't get anything for streaming. You know, uh, it, it, not even one penny for 44 streams. Like, Point zero two three or something for forty streams of of your songs, and um, I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to add to that. I'm I'm just a small fish. I don't need Spotify, or maybe I do. I waited out anyway, so I just decided that this album is not going to be in, not going to go in Spotify. Now the last one album I have out which Spotify, and uh, yeah, I got a lot of streams on it. You know, enough for a cup of coffee or so, and um, I got um. Not into a lot of playlists, you know, but I mean, you're right as far as uh, streaming is the way to go, which is what's happening right now. Uh, I did manage with this album to sell quite a few CDs from my own uh, website. Um, So people are still buying CDs. Unfortunately, worldwide they're not, and there's no more CD players um, probably being made today. You know, I know there's, uh, but there's still people that have CD players and still people that have CD players in their cars, if they're, you know, made before a certain year, but um, I just decided not to, not to go with Spotify, Um, I don't know, it was, it was a a decision, an executive decision I made myself, so that's how I, uh, that's how I handle Spotify, now, uh, because it's going the way of streaming more so now than it ever has, hopefully, um, there'll be another streaming access service that will pay musicians, money and uh, I would be um on board with that.
1: Well, you know, and and I agree with you that the you know, the the pay disparity um that's happening with Spotify is not fair um overall. And and we know that the record companies they they created their own deals with Spotify and ended up really uh garnering a large part of that pie. And the independent artist was left with whatever was left over, and it was a take-it-or-leave-it kind of mentality. The problem is it's not sustainable. Um, The music industry's middle class, the independent artists, the journeymen, the ones that are out there— that are, that are in the tan van, that are eating chicken nuggets, sleeping in the hotels, going from town to town. They're the ones who drive the industry at the top end because we wouldn't have those people up there if they didn't go through that regiment. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. really the field that, that filters out who gets to climb the top of that ladder. And... If we diminish the economic return for, you know, that segment of the industry, we're really restricting who can participate in that, you know, uh, segment of the industry. Um, and I think there is technology coming down the pike that will help even out that score. Um, the whole world of blockchain streaming seems to promise to give us that equitable uh, distribution of, of, of monies. Um, places like Audius and Emanate are claiming to pay up to 90% back to the artists, plus they're decentralized. Wow, would that be wonderful? Yeah. Plus they're would, decentralized, which means that they're not... Um, beholding to a single company they are they are uh run by the network by the people who put up their content what do you think of that um that kind of uh business model uh for the future of streaming
2: oh, i'll get on board <laughs> it, to pay 90 back to the artists. that would be amazing are you kidding especially on the independent artists um you know like i said we see nothing on spotify I and mean, we'd be grateful just to be on a few playlists you know um i think that would be absolutely marvelous richard i can't even tell you that that's exciting that is so exciting to you know um to get rid of i don't know if we'll ever get rid of spotify but to to get a service that, that would pay us back for the music that we have written and, you know, like you said, been on the road, you know, eating chicken McNuggets. And, you know, I've done, God, I've been there, man. I've been, I was on that. That one time I was on the road, I played every Monday night to Saturday night, Sunday off to travel to the next gig, Monday to Saturday night, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I paid my road dues, man. I was on the road for a long, long time. And, and uh, I, I, I had a, a little girl and decided to take a, a year or so off and, and raise her. And but then I got back at it again. So I mean, I've always been gigging. I've always been traveling. So that would be just a wonderful thing, you know, to have something, uh, to have a little, um, to have a little sweetness, payback for the independent artist. It would be so awesome. It really would.
1: Oh yeah. Now, um, you know, one of the things I, 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 I kind of noticed you know if you look at the the history of of the industry especially over the last 20 years you know this these technologies come and go so quickly i mean spotify everyone thinks that it's this big juggernaut that can never be unseated you know but don't forget you know 20 years ago the ipod was the thing that we all use to listen to music yeah you know and and, you know apple music and itunes who no, you know apple no one's gonna unseat apple and along came napster you know and napster started sharing you know everyone file shared then and the music was being all over the place and the industry was in an uproar and they said well how are we going to get rid of napster well then Mm -hmm. along came streaming you know yeah and so Mm -hmm. it's almost inevitable that Spotify is going to find their replacement somewhere down the line. And hopefully it will be something that will lean heavily towards an equitable distribution for independent artists that it will foster this music industry middle class and allow it to grow as a really um, great little wellspring. Of talent.
2: Wow. Wouldn't that be something, Richard?
1: It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it sure would. It would. You
2: now, know. go ahead. I mean, you, you write um, all this music, you know, you spend your last dime going in the studio to record it the best way you can, but you can't even go back and redo certain tracks that you want to because you just don't have the funds to do it. A lot of times, you know, um, and I'm not the only one, I'm sure, you, you settle sometimes for things that don't sound bad to other people, but to your own self, it too, because you don't have the funds to uh, go and fix the, the, the things that you think you should fix on your recordings, you know. But, I mean, if you were to, uh, if, you were, if you could get some funding back through, through the music, through your own music that you write, like, I have nine songs on this album are mine. You know, and they're like children. You send them out into the uh, universe and you hope that they can, you know, do the best that they can and grow up to be, you know, great songs. And and you just hope that, you know, and live for the next time that you can get in the studio and record more of your songs. And that's where I'm coming from. I That's my next step is to record another album. And, uh, you know, somehow I've got to get the funds to record and to do an even better job this time, you know, which is what I've been doing all along and and a better job than I did the last time, you know, but wouldn't that be great? Right. So that's why I about that.
1: Well, you know, I I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on and uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
0: For the blues Another day one who can feel time slipping away She used to be happy But now she feels so sad inside It's getting harder to hide it It's getting harder to let it ride It seems like only yesterday When she loved the life she lived she has been alone for so long now Feels like there's nothing left to give She needs someone to say Hey, it's gonna be okay She can't understand it How she ever got to be this way Cause when the world me.
1: And interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the indie revolution.
0: Got the girl, got the time to the girl. Gonna rock the shade. Gonna scream my name. Make you shout now, honey.